Hurdle and Hughes presents The Power of Partnerships. Ever wonder when all you planned was to check that one tweet or that one YouTube video and 45 minutes later, you're learning about the evolution of ant species almost 170 million years back. I know I've done that multiple times and I'm sure you have too. In today's video, we'll be speaking with one such expert who helps companies create such sticky content that not only attracts viewers and customers, but also increase their revenues by keeping up with the changing demand. I strongly believe that every business transformation begins with a transparent and committed relationship with its partners. That's both customers and suppliers, especially your technology partners. Joining us today is Tim Doyle, VP of Sales at TopSpot, who has partnered with us from the day we kickstarted our digital transformation and helped us navigate this fast-changing channel. Hi, my name is Ajay Kamble. I'm the CIO at Turtle & Hughes. And to help us understand how TopSpot has helped an almost 100-year-old organization with a modern presence is Tim Doyle. Tim, welcome to the Power of Partnership podcast and we'll appreciate if you can say a few words about yourself and TopSpot. Absolutely. Ajay, thank you so much for the uh, invitation, and it's an absolute honor to be here with you today. TopSpot, just to give you a little context, is a 19-year-old digital web development and digital marketing firm. We're a little uh, mature in that sense, uh, having been founded in 2003 in our space. We do focus on that B2B customer and that buyer journey. We specialize in the area of uh, website development, user experience, SEO, SEM. All of it, though, is driven by analytics, which is kind of our secret sauce, really understanding the nature of what is the data guiding us towards and what are the goals of the client. Personally, um, I'm dating myself here. I've been involved in B2B advertising for 35 years. And believe it or not, even during the print era, much of it was digital because even back in the 80s, we were doing interesting things with CD-ROM searchable catalogs, you know, kind of the forefather of what was then the World Wide Web. That's just a little bit about me and TopSpot. Thank you so much, Tim. Appreciate the introduction. And absolutely, as I said, as the technologies have evolved, so have we and so have our businesses as well. And in that context, again, as a company that was born long before the internet or some of these automated tools had ever evolved, Turtle & Hughes, we actually had been successful for almost 100 years in our electrical and industrial distribution space. Can you speak to why it's necessary for businesses of any size and in industry to develop a digital strategy even though they actually had been successful through the traditional models? The short answer is that's where your customers are. When you look at the demographics, they are skewed towards digital acquisition of information. So let's just look at, for example, the millennials. Millennials at the top end right now are 44 years old. You know, that by itself just tells you they're in their prime specifying years you know, when you look at when they were born in 81 at the early part and 96 in the later years, they grew up in their prime teen years uh, with the birth of, you know, the Internet and in using that to find and uh, specify uh, things that they would need in their lives. Currently, when you look at Turtles data, 20% of your traffic is from uh, mobile devices 
and 44% of your traffic is from those millennial buyers. It's kind of an interesting dynamic, right? So it's not just the desktop, it's not just the age group, but then it's the device, right? And when we think about e-commerce success for Turtle, while you've got 20% of your visitors using mobile devices, 27% of your e-commerce conversions are actually coming from mobile devices. So as a company for Turtle, if you ignore that, you ignore you know, the future growth of your company. Thank you so much. So what I'm hearing from you is that uh, what got us here will not necessarily get us to the next stage. So as much as the technology is evolving, so is the demographic, especially our customers' demographics. So while we actually are still addressing the existing customer base and the demographics that we have, we still have to look at the next step. And that's why you think the digital transformation, or at least adapting to the changing demands is important as well. And you use the word e-commerce a couple of times. And I think there's this big misconception that typically businesses have this web presence, you know, for e-commerce. And e-commerce typically is associated with selling products. In your experience, how would you extend that to companies like us who actually do provide services along with selling products as well? So where do you think is the importance of social presence and the digital transformation to address that growing sector as well? Sure, great question. So when you think about the way people query uh, Google, for example, there's three types of queries, informational, transactional, and navigational. So all three of those types of queries match up with the way Turtle is now approaching the marketplace. The informational queries, Turtle has always been a leader and we've collaborated with Turtle on kind of that thought leadership positioning, right? Um, Solution-based content, educating, right? Teaching and educating with that, that, they call it that eat content, educational, authoritative and trustworthy content that positions you as that trusted advisor. Then the navigational, you have, it's not just e-commerce, right? You've got, I think, 14 locations around the country now. How can I easily find one of the Turtle and Hughes locations so that I can go and possibly talk to someone in person and pick up something at the counter? And then you have so many counter days as well, where you really teach in person, you know, the value add of some of the uh, products that you market. So it's, it's, it's that foundational uh, presence where the, the web, your, your website, is the cornerstone of your messaging to match up with the three ways people query the internet. Great. And as you know, Turtle takes a lot of pride in its diversity, both on its employee base and also our uh, beliefs as well. Uh, likewise, our businesses also are diversified. So said we actually have products, we also have services, and we also actually have integrated services, which you know is 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 more high touch. It's actually a lot different than what the digital business would normally you know associate itself with. So what you're saying is that regardless of what business you are in, having digital presence does serve purpose in getting both the messaging across, but at the same time, having the transactional operational pieces automated and make it available and easier for your customers who actually want to use those portals as well. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I know we partnered with each other for almost four years now. I think when we kickstarted the digital transformation, you know, you actually went toe-to-toe again. We worked together across the process. Looking back, what were your first observations when you looked at a mature company 
like Turtle and Hughes to see what we have to do immediately, both short-term and long-term in our transformation. It was really about how we worked together to formulate the user experience. And back in 2017, the vision from Jane, who's a great visionary, by the way, as you know, Jane, the owner of, of Turtle and Hughes, it was clear that we wanted to position Turtle as an authoritative resource in all areas, right? Product services, uh, things of that nature, education. And so the uh, original goal, uh, as we were listening to her vision, was to really put forth Turtle in that way as, a, as an educating source. Um, yes, e-commerce, but it was really to position you initially as that trusted resource. So the original site architecture and design concepts were kind of focused in that area. And we knew, because you guys are such great collaborators, because we agreed that there would be a journey that we would go down as we the goals of the, of, of the business changed. And as data started rolling in, we would iterate uh, on the user experience over time based on how we saw people engaging with the content, engaging with the e-commerce component, engaging with the navigational uh, content for the you know the counter days and the and the the fourteen locations, and so over time we've worked together to evolve that user experience to now where we are today, right, Ajay, where we launched just about two weeks ago uh, a new iteration of the homepage and products page, and the data that's rolling in now, as as you know, is is quite compelling. Uh, so it's really about listening to each other and then executing based on the data and the goals of the business. You know, I, I got a funny story to tell you. So if you'll indulge me, my, my uncle, who was my mentor, you know, when I started this journey into sales and consulting, he said, never forget one simple thing. You've got two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. Fantastic. That's that's a great advice, actually. Absolutely great. And it served me well, but I see you doing that as well. So it's been a great partnership in that regard. I appreciate that. And as you rightly said, the true partnership, again, that's transparent and committed to each other's success is what basically gets us where we want to get to. And, and how would you describe, and again, you do this uh, for multiple corporations, multiple companies, different sizes, different geographies as well. How would you describe our journey over the last four years compared to some other industries that you see, other verticals, or even actually companies within our own verticals? It's been very good because of the quality of the partnership. And, and you're right. We work with about 850 clients nationwide. Some of them are in distribution. Some of their, them are contract fabricators. Uh, it just depends on the nature of the business. Some of them are tier one automotive suppliers. Some of them are tier three automotive suppliers, right? It could, it's all over the boat. The key to success never changes. It's consistent. And it's having personnel within the company that you can collaborate with to achieve certain content goals. Because to achieve success, let's just take SEO as an example, right? Search engine optimization. It's the process of putting out signals to Google uh, to give them clarity on how you'd like to be considered for ranking under what we agree are high value search phrases, right? You can't work in a vacuum in that regard uh, as, a, as a SEO company. You do need to have a collaborative partner on the other end to iterate over time. And when you have that collaboration with the client, it supercharges the effort. 
there are things we can do by ourselves as an SEO. But like I said, if you have someone uh, like you, Ajay, and your team to partner with in the way we have, it, it absolutely supercharges the effort. And, and it absolutely resonates well with uh, some of the details uh, we'll be talking about for the next few minutes. And you brought up a very important topic, SEO, which is search engine optimization. For most of us who actually are not in this field, it's how people find you know, either products or the brand when you go to Google and either search for a solution or search for a particular product. How would you rate your relationship with Google in helping us get to where we want to get to? Because you actually have to understand not only the lay of the land as far as our business is concerned and what we want to achieve, but also keep up with the changing technology that these technology platforms also are throwing at you. How does your status as the premier Google partner fit in this equation? So we are very blessed to have that relationship with Google as a premier Google partner, a red badge uh, premier partner. There's about 3% of agencies in the U.S. who enjoy that status. And that actually is in relation to our SEM component. But it does guide much of our SEO success because you know, we have this relationship with Google and we've had it since 2003 when they started some of their uh, badging system, right, for levels of designation for some of their partners. We've always been at the elite status and it's really because of the way we collaborate with Google and our, our, our handlers at Google. And so uh, we do a lot of training with Google. We also do a, a lot of, remember the listening component with Google. So it's listening not just during those training sessions, but listening with what we see uh, and how the algorithm is functioning. So the algorithm, uh, organic algorithm, last year, uh, there were several major updates to it. And so it's a matter of just seeing it coming. And Google sometimes will flag it, sometimes they won't. They actually last year were quite transparent in uh, some of their messaging about some of the algorithm changes. When they aren't transparent, you just have to see it coming and see how they're reacting to the work we're doing on the, the technical side of SEO and, uh, and then test and measure. We use that word test and measure a lot and that serves us well in our SEO success. Also our SEM success, right? That paid search component. And paid, um, you know, I, I jokingly call uh, paid search the performance enhancing drugs of digital marketing. <laughs> well it, said. Exponential, right? It can leverage things and there's an agility to it that's really unmatched. And the way that can inform SEO success is you can test and measure themes of keywords, see the journey of the uh, uh, visitors coming into the site from paid search and, and then understand it. And that can inform some direction with the organic work, the SEO work that we're doing. That makes sense, actually. And again, that's one of the reasons why Google actually is a trillion dollar company, because they actually keep these things near and dear to themselves. But again, kudos to you and your team to kind of keep a tab on what's happening on that front as well. And one of the other areas that really helped us, and I'm sure you actually can attest to this, is another component of Google, which is the Google My Business. You rightly said, you know, we have multiple locations across the country, which means that we also have customers across the country as well. And when someone's looking for a solution or a partnership, and when they are Googling our name, uh, you know, for them to find the nearest location that can help them, 
Can you elaborate a little bit on the importance of Google My Business and how does that impact an organization? So a lot of people forget about their GMB pages, right? And so I go back to my original uh, comments on our talk today, which is the three types of searches that people undertake uh, when they go to Google. So informational, I'd like to learn something. Transactional, I'd like to buy something. And navigational, I want to find where something is, right? And so that Google My Business page where you have, I, I, I'm correct, it's 14 locations now, right, Ajay? 12. 12, okay. We're still in the process of consolidating them as well, actually. Yeah. So each one needs to have a fully formed Google My Business page because of those navigational visitors. And it puts out signals geographically in a local way to make sure you're showing up for those products and services. Obviously, the maps are part of it to show how to uh, drive there or, or you know how to get to that location. But you can market on those pages with customized messaging in a way that is really unmatched. Um, we have worked with you and you've been great collaborators for a long time now. We pounded the table on that and you guys listened very acutely years ago about developing this uh, optimization process for your Google and My Business pages. And each month, as we looked at when we met a few days ago, you can see uh, the traffic growing from those pages and uh, not just the traffic and, and seeing it with people coming into those locations but actually transactions too, starting to develop e-commerce wise uh, through the Google My Business pages. So it's a form of presenting your business to the geographic marketplace that um, you have to acknowledge and optimize for. Makes perfect sense. And on the same context, we talked about you know, your SEO, which is extremely important for people to find you know, who to go to for a particular solution. But once they are on your site, it is equally important to have that holistic experience for them to find and get exactly what they want. How much emphasis would you put um, on the UI, which is the user interface or the user experience itself or the customer experience, if you want to call that? So how does that fit into this entire equation? So it's just not external facing, but internally within your own site as well, right? Ajay, you're spot on. Yeah, UX and UI are, are extremely critical to the success of, of any digital presence and, and strategy. So as you know, we did a study um, a few years ago. It was a survey and uh, just kind of asking the question, um, you know, if you go to a website that does not present a great user experience, are you more likely to leave it? And the answer was yes. 87% of the surveyed uh, participants uh, said they would absolutely leave. And we do see that in data. When we take on new clients at times, we'll get some benchmarking data. And when we can clearly see that it's not a good user experience, we are seeing people bail out very quickly. So part of that process with you, as you know, was really understanding that and, and applying what we call a don't make me think style of architecture which clearly gives great cues about the uh, navigation, but also the internal site search, uh, particularly for a website the size of yours or really any website, having that internal site search uh, very visible, top of page on every page uh, and, and letting enticing people to use it uh, is an extremely valuable resource, not just to get people to the content that they really wanna get to quickly, but I gotta tell you, analyzing what people type into that internal site search box has been uh, like the gold standard for 
user experience improvements over time and content direction. So um, it, it's uh, it, it's something that you always have to keep your eye on that UX and, and understanding what are the data points that can guide you towards improvements. And you know, since we made the uh, last iteration uh, of the homepage and the products page, it's only been live. What Ajay? About two weeks? A couple of weeks now. Yeah. yeah. The data that's rolling in is compelling. Not only are they using the internal site search and more quickly getting to what they want, but we've seen that when they do use the internal site search, they're much more likely to convert. We're actually seeing uh, users of the internal site search convert about three and a half times more than people who do not use the internal site search. And that's an important statistic, very, very important statistic, because, you know, yeah, you can actually do everything possible to get viewers and visitors to your site. But if you cannot convert them into dollars and cents, then all that effort basically goes to a waste. And talking about that, uh, I know we actually were focusing mostly on the B2B experience, which is, you know, one business doing business with another business, traditionally what we actually are considered as, right? But this whole concept of, you know, using, uh, you know, e-commerce or the services that are digital, the retail world has conquered. And in fact, they're the leaders in this whole concept, right? I mean, we actually are consumers in our day-to-day -day lives and we consume a lot of the retail content that's put out there. I mean, we shop online and people quote unquote call that an Amazon experience, right? So what B2C conveniences do you think will start seeping into the B2B world? And I kind of call it, right, because when in our personal lives, we actually want the conveniences, but then how come we don't have those conveniences when I'm actually at work trying to do business with another business? So what would be the top two or three B2C conveniences you think will come into the B2B world in the near future? It is that great user experience, but then it's how you handle it on the other side, too. When you look at Amazon, it's, it's that customer uh, experience beyond the sale quite often. It's how do I return things? If something's not working, how do I get help, right? So it's those types of things that lead to the full, you know, adoption of user experience because the website may work just fine and present the information, but how are things handled after the sale? Or what do people need to get them over the hump to complete the sale? And do you have resources on the other side to assist with that? And, and I've seen you and your team uh, execute and begin to improve on that just every month. You guys are looking at that and understanding what is the post-sale service and, and knowing that that's going to lead to a stickiness that you're going to, you know, people are going to appreciate that just like they have with Amazon. You're absolutely right. So, so in your words, it's not just about acquiring, you know, new customers, but also uh, nurturing them and also engaging them because you don't want these customers to actually just be one-time buyers. You actually want to engage with them and then make them repeat buyers and actually have them come back and consume your digital content as much as possible. What role do you think paid search or paid advertisement or the pay-per-click, what, what role does this have compared to just the organic you know, things that we can do? Yeah, absolutely. So paid search, as I referenced earlier, is probably the most agile form of advertising ever created. It allows you to go after search queries at the flip of a switch, right? We can we can go after search queries and test and measure in a way that SEO can't because SEO quite often takes a little time, a little effort to, to achieve the results you want. 
But with paid search, and I, I kind of use the, the joking phrase, it's the performance enhancing drugs of uh, digital marketing. And it really is because when you engage it, you are at the top of page one for certain times of the day for the phrases you want to go after. And you learn from that. Now, that's the search component to paid search. But there's also the remarketing component to paid search and the Google shopping side of paid search. So the remarketing side is if we can uh, understand that there could be a lag time, let's just say for more high consideration products or services that people are thinking about or they're putting their budgets together, there may be a delay of two to four weeks, sometimes longer before the, the initial visit and the education process began to when they might engage you in a conversation. Uh, I think Gartner came up with a study and said a lot of times people are about 57% of the way through their journey before they actually reach out to you. What paid search can do to kind of coax them along is we can hit them with a remarketing ad that doubles down on your messaging. And they might see that remarketing ad when they are looking at the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. They might see that remarketing ad when they're looking at Google News or Yahoo News or whatever news they consume in a digital fashion. And it just reminds them gently uh, not to forget about Turtle and something you were looking at a week or two earlier. And you can you can set the timer on that so it's not off-putting, right? We can say we just want that to run for seven days or 14 days so that it's not haunting them for months or years. But it's an extremely effective way to enhance that that brand and that product or service that is under consideration. Other aspects might be, you know, going off the Google platform and thinking about LinkedIn uh, and things of that nature, right? LinkedIn allows you to target very accurately verticals. If you've identified you want to go after uh, the building automation market, right, that vertical, you can target building owners, building managers, facilities managers, and those personas very accurately with certain types of messaging that supports what you know uh, are the types of products and services that they usually need. Paid search goes beyond uh, Google and goes into some of these other realms as well. You can also get into Facebook and Instagram. Sometimes it just depends on the personas we're going after. Absolutely, yes. And again, thanks for sharing those insights because that's what I think a lot of the companies struggle. You know, is it really worth it, you know, investing in paid search, but from you know, what you're sharing with us, it basically is very targeted, highly effective. It's proven itself in the retail industry. So there is an opportunity in the B2B world as well. And we're talking about, again, some of the features and conveniences that we find, you know, in the B2C world. What role do you think promotions and coupons, you know, those discounts play in a B2B world? I mean, are they as effective as a B2C? Well, they can be because we've been uh, programmed to expect them. Uh, the joke, right? If you want to get a discount from Amazon, fill the cart and leave for a couple of days. <laughs> and you, you will more, more than likely get some sort of a promotion in your inbox a few days later, right? Now, we don't need to take it to that extreme, but discounting strategies that achieve a certain goal. Obviously, we, we want to retain as much margin as we can, but we still want to onboard a client and wow them with our service, right? So, um, you know, the cost of onboarding a new client, as we all know, is a little more expensive than retention of them. So, you know, if we have to pay a little bit to onboard that new client, it's not a bad test and measure uh, theme that you could go down, right? 
So uh, it depends on the company. It depends on what you're selling, but you know, it can be a powerful tool in your toolbox to onboard uh, new potential customers. Makes sense. Actually. And in the same way, you know, again, talking about the expectations, that's what we actually have been kind of, you know, gotten used to in our day-to-day lives. The lines are very, they're getting fuzzy between B2C and B2B, right? I mean, the expectations, I mean, it's... And I remember the conversation we had back in 2017 when people were actually in two different worlds and we said, I think collectively, that, well, it's, it's getting blurred now because what we do in the day-to-day lives as consumers is what we should be expecting in our work atmosphere as well. So you cannot separate the two entities or the two individuals as all. And on, on, in the same light, Tim, um, how about free shipping? Is that an expectation by the B2B you know, buyers as well? Yeah, so great question. Amazon let that cat out of the cage a long time ago, right? I mean, it, uh, there is an expectation of that and it's just not realistic in, in, in B2B. I mean, it's... It's uh, particularly now with uh, prices uh, going uh, the way they're going. And I, I think on the B2B side, people are realizing you are going to need to pay for your shipping uh, most of the time. You know, there can be some benchmarks where maybe, uh, you know, depending on the size of the order or the composition of the order, you might be able to work with them. But people in the B2B side realize that it is not B2C. It's not Amazon. And uh you know, they're going to need to understand that shipping is usually a component of that. Makes sense, actually. And again, this is what's happening in, as I said, in our day-to-day lives, in our personal lives, and the expectation is to kind of expect that in the business side as well. But but great insights, great insights, uh, Tim. And as I've said multiple times, uh, your partnership uh, and the collaboration advice input, and to your point, even listening to what we actually have to share goes a long way. And that's what basically makes us true partners. Uh, not only, you know, your team actually has evolved as well. You know, you actually have a fantastic team on your side who pitch in, uh, support us every step of our transformation journey. One thing that has really helped us understand ourselves is through the lens of both what you and your team actually see, but also the analytics that you actually present to us. Uh, because we can actually be in the trenches and keep on plowing, plowing forward, but we also actually know that you cannot improve what you cannot measure. So what role would you play and what would be the top two or three analytical data points that any organization should be looking at if they really want to make you know, an impact and move forward? So first you need to make sure your Google Analytics is set up properly. Uh, when we audit... Mm-hmm. Uh, Google Analytics for companies, uh, most of the time we find out that it's not set up right. Simple things like blocking internal traffic, right? Traffic from your employees just so it doesn't skew the data. Uh, Making sure that your goals and events are set up properly. So usually a top level goal would be something like a shopping cart transaction or a form submission. Secondarily, you'd have something called events. An event is something that's important. It shows engagement with assets on the site And that would typically be something like looking at videos and we can segment it out to, are they looking at hundred percent of the video? Are they looking at only 50% of the video? Are they looking at 10% of the video? And that, and looking at that data can guide us in how we might create videos front end load it maybe a little bit with some of the most important messaging, knowing that they might only spend 50% of the time through it. Also the downloading of PDF assets and tracking that as an event. Uh, sometimes uh, you might gate 
an asset, which means you have to fill out a little form, maybe three fields in order to get access to the asset, knowing that you're going to get less downloads in that scenario, but you're going to get information about the person downloading it. Some PDF assets might not be gated, and that's fine, but you can still track the downloads. And if you have the proper tools, sometimes you can see who was the company that that person was with that, that downloaded the asset. And those are through tools like that visitor view tool that Turtle uses that we've set up for you. We can actually do a reverse IP lookup, see what company the person's from. They may not have filled out a form, but we can see them entering the site, their journey through the site. Did they execute uh, and download any assets or look at any videos? And that can give us great insights into uh, the quality, at least, of the company. Are we getting the right companies coming in? And then it's understanding and working backwards. Okay, how do we get them to take that top level conversion where they either execute a shopping cart transaction or submit a request to quote or contact us in some way looking for more information? Absolutely. Yes. So again, to reiterate, it's just not the quantity, but the quality of traffic. And the analytics basically gives you a good insight about what should you be doing more that's working for you and less of what is not working for you. And in, in this conversation, you brought a very good point, and that was going to be my, not, my, my next question to you. We've been, again, consuming a lot of content using videos. What role do you think videos will play going forward in getting your message across, getting your brand equity across as well? So how do you see the transformation from traditional content to a video content? Well, it goes back to the demographics. When you look at millennials and now Gen Z, top, top age of Gen Z is about 25, they consume video assets at a incredible clip. I mean, just look at TikTok, right? I mean, it's just amazing. That's where they spend most of their time consuming either entertainment or informational assets. So to answer your question specifically, video needs to be a part of every uh, B2B uh, company's uh, toolbox. Uh, it needs to be thought of and given a lot of respect. And I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, very long videos. I'm talking about educational videos and thematic videos. You could have a, you can do a lot in a 30 second video. You can really educate. Um, it, it could be like with a Rockwell uh, programmable controller, right? Maybe what are the questions that you get asked a lot that you could answer in 30 seconds on a video, all right? How to, how to calibrate it, how to set it up, what to look for in maintaining it. Um, all of these can be answered very quickly in a 30 second spot that are archived in a repository on the website under a resource center, a media gallery, that's filterable and searchable. And that provides tremendous user experience. Absolutely, yes. And just to kind of, kind of put some context, TikTok has now surpassed YouTube in video metrics. Imagine that. And TikTok has just been, what, about two, three years old? When are we going to do a TikTok, guys? <laughs> we got to do a TikTok. And maybe that should be the next one, Tim. I'd love to see you on a TikTok, maybe actually imitating a dance or maybe singing something to it, Tim. That's really the <laughs> next topic, I would say. But um, greatly appreciate your participation in this, your insights. As I said, you've been a fantastic partner all throughout, and you'll continue to ask the advisors, leaders, and help us get through the maze and the future of whatever you know the digital platforms hold. Uh, but that's it. 
where do you think we as a company, Sterling Hughes, should be you know, looking at the next you know, six months, 12 months? Again, a year, two years is far too out, but the next six to 12 months, where do you see we should be actually focusing our energies on? It's continuing to put out that uh, thought leadership content. It really is. Uh, and positioning yourself in that way as you have been. Uh, so, you know, the video content, but also the on-page assets, you know, understanding the ways people search, the demographics behind the search, things like voice search, right? So people, uh, particularly millennials and Gen Z, they do a lot of uh, just, just voice search and understanding what are the ways that our content can uh, be offered up because of someone using voice search. You know, all of that needs to be considered. It always comes back to content, though, Ajay, just continuing to put out that educational and authoritative content that Google respects, that acquires inbound links, naturally occurring inbound links that are a signal in the Google algorithm and help you achieve certain SEO results. But also that content also achieves that user experience component that's so valuable as well. So you guys have been fantastic collaborators in that journey of content expansion. And I would foresee that's how we're going to get the most leverage going forward. Thank you so much, Tim. And again, most of this conversation was focused on, you know, digital and, you know, digital marketing, digital presence. But as you know, and I think most of us actually understand that the world is made up of both, you know, traditional, you know, consumers and digital consumers as well. And our goal as a company, you know, partnering with you is going to be how do we address and have a multi-channel presence, not just basically focusing on one channel or the other, but actually have a coherent and you know a dedicated strategy for each of these different channels. So with that said, Tim, always a pleasure uh, to have a conversation with you, be it in a formal setting like this, or it's in an informal golf outing or, or any one of those events, but uh, appreciate the time. Thank you so much for being part of this and look forward to actually having many more of these conversations with you. Thank you, Ajay. It's been a pleasure.